thank you, Alan. <coughs> now, when, oh, we got ahead of ourselves there, I think, Trevor. Thank you. It's all right. Looks exciting, though, doesn't it? Um, now, when Camille and I moved uh, to Melbourne uh, from Brisbane about 17 years ago now, um, we felt that we'd made a good decision about the kind of place uh, that suited us to live, and we still believe that. Uh, but one thing I do miss, though, uh, about growing up in Brisbane uh, is the tropical thunderstorms that we used to have uh, in the summertime. And <coughs> sorry, um, during that season, it was a very common for the day uh, to have a very predictable pattern. So you'd have a hot, humid morning, followed by gathering dark clouds at about 2 or 3 p.m., which would then unleash rain, thunder and lightning on us for a couple of hours. And of course, we do have our own storms here as Melbourne, as everyone's been mentioning this morning. So yeah, somehow I've got into the what's aligned with what's happening. Um, but the storms here are different. They tend to be more in wintertime or spring, um, with cold blasts of wind and rain that come over at any time of the day, um, and they blow over anything that's happening in the, in the time. And in the hills, of course, we're used to these storms bringing down trees and um, blowing onto homes and onto the roads and things like that. So we have our own storms. Um, this image of a storm uh, and how we experience storms, as you've heard, is a key image in Psalm 29. And this season of Advent, we're looking at some of these psalms, particularly those um, that have an attitude of triumph or overcoming and renewed vision that God gives his people. And these psalms are songs that, give, that speak about confidence in God and the transformation that comes from people entering into a new season of life with God. And these psalms, as I've said, are sometimes called psalms of reorientation. Um, and as we head towards Christmas, I think this is a good season for us to reorient ourselves towards the promises of God and towards our attitude to him. And as we do that, I think what this psalm, Psalm 29, what it does is it invites us then to go back to some of our primal or basic understandings of the nature of God and these gripping experiences of strength and power that are so important in people's relationship with God, particularly when our faith is new. <coughs> Sorry. Now, over thousands of years, Christians have developed very sophisticated ways of thinking about who God is and what Jesus has done. But Psalm 29, as we've read, harks back to what I would describe as a very primitive in your face, kind of raw understanding of who God is and what it means to hear his voice. And so basically, yes, in Psalm 29, we'd hear about God as the Lord of the storm, the powerful God of thunder, the king over all the other spiritual beings. And so the psalm begins with an encouragement to all the heavenly beings, the gods, the angels, and all the rest, to give honour to the Lord for his glory, his strength, his splendour and holiness. And then the voice of the Lord, his powerful speech, is described like the effect of a supernatural thunderstorm that blows over the world. He thunders over the waters. His voice twists, breaks, and knocks over the, mass thank you, the massive cedars of Lebanon and strips the forests bare. His voice shakes the mountains in the desert and it strikes with flashes of lightning. And at the end it says, The Lord is enthroned as a God forever and is over the flood. Now in the Bible, the flood, the, the picture of a flood is a symbol of destruction and disorder. And so 
It's saying in, the flood, in, the, in these verses, the flood is saying there's these waters of chaos and evil and in the Lord in his strength is controlling them. He is over them. He is bringing them to flow where he wants in his power. And lastly, in verse 11, it says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So these are very powerful pictures, aren't they? And very um, comforting, I believe, and strengthening for us to meditate on as the psalmist does. And they still resonate with us today, I think, particularly when we feel powerless or in need of help. And they can reorient us towards the basic experience of God's presence in our lives. Now, for those who watch contemporary movies, this psalm, as you read it, should irresistibly, and I think rightly, call to mind the character of Thor. The Norse god of thunder, or the prince of Asgard. You might have seen he's got many, many movies over the last 10, 15 years about these characters. Now, this is not a trivial, I think, or blasphemous comparison to make. It's actually an understanding of the feeling and the place of experience that this psalm actually comes from. Because Psalm 29, as we have it, is basically a translation or a rephrasing of an ancient pagan Canaanite songs of praise to the storm gods. But the psalmist puts Yahweh, the God of Israel, in that place of worship and awe. And so the Lord, he says, fulfills this picture of the gods that we have, like Thor, and the meaning that people gave to them. And the feeling that this psalm is supposed to generate is very similar, I think, to what we're supposed to feel in the Marvel Avengers films when Thor appears in the final battles with his hammer or his axe and devastates his enemies with lightning. This is a picture of absolute strength, of glory and power being used for good. Now, I said this is a primitive picture of God, and it is, isn't it? In my experience, it's the kind of God that a very small boy might cherish in his heart. God the superhero. God whose voice we can hear in the middle of a thunderstorm. It's not the God of the philosophers who debate the meaning of being and existence. Now, when we say primitive, primitive doesn't mean bad, a primitive doesn't mean wrong. It's, primitive, it's a primitive picture of God in the sense that it's one of the first that we have. And it's a foundational building block that go into our understanding of who God really is and how we experience him. When I was at Sunday school, we learned the song, My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. Yes, so and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And we sang that song here recently. Thank you, Alan. He's uh, brought it back to us. Um, and the modern song that we sing also, How Great is Our God, has a similar idea. The splendor of the king robed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and it trembles at his voice. And so how can we learn to understand the nature of God if we don't take into account ideas of power, of glory, of strength? So seeing, in some ways, seeing the Lord as the God of thunder is not a bad thing. And, but Christians do need to learn more than this, and we need to have a bigger picture too. I think we need to learn what it means really to hear the voice of the Lord and to know the strength and glory of God in a deeper way and that Jesus revealed to us as well. Thor's not enough. Um, because the image of God as the God of thunder is limited and it can break down in the face of some of our experiences in, in life, like injustice or suffering. You know, we, it's all right in Sunday school we sing, my God is so big, he's so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. But as we move on from that, we might ask, well, if God is so big, there's nothing he can't do, why doesn't he heal me? Or the people that I love from our illnesses. So why do bad people often win? 
Why do they go unpunished? So God is more than a superhero. The world isn't a comic book. And what the scriptures actually show, and what I'd like us to consider, is that the deepest revelation of God that we have, it does incorporate his strength, but it's actually beyond this raw expression of power and strength. And we learn truthfully that God is more than strength, not less. And there are two examples of, of this, at least, I think, that we can draw out of in the Bible. The first comes in First uh, Kings chapter 19, the story of the prophet Elijah in the desert. Now, Elijah, as you might know, was a prophet. He was persecuted by the king Ahab of Israel. And after a confrontation with the prophets of the god Baal, Elijah ran away into the desert and got depressed. And he went looking there for a new experience of God. And in this chapter, in verses 11 to 12, it says... The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. So I think this is an important passage for us um, as we read Psalm 29 because it challenges our understanding of this psalm and the vision that it gives us of the power of God. Elijah's battle with the prophets of Baal, as you might know before this, involved literal fire coming down from heaven and burning up his offering, a genuine lightning bolt of strength and power from the Lord. And we might believe that if we saw something like that happen, we would not lack confidence ever again that God was strong and his strength was with us. But Elijah found that despite seeing this, inside him was still, he was filled with doubt, with fear and weakness. So here in the desert, when Elijah encounters God personally, he finds out that in this wind that tears the mountain apart, in this earthquake, in the fire, that's not where the real personal voice of the Lord is. The voice of the Lord is a gentle whisper that's behind all those things. And the point I see here is that all the things that we might see as powerful that the Lord might do, that God might do for us, are actually just surface manifestations of his power in creation. These things do reveal a divine force of power, but they don't directly reveal to us God himself, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit or his personal voice to us. And Elijah would say, I think, yes, all these powerful things we can see like fire from heaven, winds and thunder and earthquakes, everything in creation that we see as powerful, they are an effect of God and his power. They come from his word and his intention. God is powerful and glorious. But if that's all that God is, then God is really just a God, small God, small g, a God like Thor a long way up there sitting on his throne in the sky and doing powerful things occasionally. But Elijah discovers his true strength, I think, in that quiet whisper, in this real conversation with God, that the strength of God is within his spirit when he speaks to him, the voice that Elijah can hear personally and communicates the strength of truth and hope and joy to his heart. When Psalm 29 says to us, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Does the Lord really do that for us by blasting our enemies from the sky with thunderbolts? You might wish he did. No. In the end, what he does, that, he does that for his people by strengthening their spirits with his spirit, personally. 
The voice of the Lord is a personal effect of the presence of God among his people. And so it's through this quiet whispering voice, that's how God's spirit and his strength comes to us. And also the Lord does this in a special way, we believe, by coming down into our life and into our human experience and bringing new strength to humanity as a whole. And of course, that's what we see in Jesus and that's what we're celebrating at Christmas. So Psalm 29 has a parallel in the Gospels of Jesus, particularly looking at Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27, for instance. Let me read that to you. Then Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So what's the point of this story? I think the point for them is that this man with them, their teacher, Jesus, is also the Lord of the storm. He is the same Lord enthroned above the flood in Psalm 29. The winds and the waves obey his voice. But he is not here creating a storm with his voice. He is calming it and bringing peace to his people. And therefore he brings strength and peace to them. Jesus was obviously so unconcerned about this that he could sleep through a storm. But his strength when he shows it is not lightning shooting out of his hands or his magic hammer. It is the strength of his pure and humble trust in God his Father And he could sleep because he was safe in God's spirit with his father. That is his strength. It's his strength of love and peace and humility. And the strength of the Lord is in fact so strong that it doesn't even need to hold on to visible displays of strength in order to achieve his purposes. In fact, his real power power is in sacrificial love. As we saw in our series in Philippians Last month, that's how the New Testament talks about Jesus, the Lord of the storm, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 11, of Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. So the picture in Psalm 29 of the angels and the heavenly beings worshipping the Lord in the splendour of his holiness is like an anticipation of this new song about Jesus in Philippians. He has achieved this glory, not through naked, raw power, but through humble love, obedience, death, and his service. And it's the completion, I think, and balance of the picture in Psalm 29. So I think there's room for two ways, at least, in thinking about God for Christians. So we can say, you know, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. But we can also say, my God is so gentle, so humble and loving, and there's nothing my God will not do. Um, Both of those truths are pictures of strength. Um, And the second is actually more than the other, a picture of strength. And I think we need both for our own experience of the truth of what it means to know God. 
And I come back to the last verse of Psalm 29 again. It says, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. If we are looking for strength and peace from God in the middle of our storms, I suggest that we can go to two places. So the first place we might go is that my God is so big picture, you know, to where Psalm 29 is, and to ask God for physical strength and energy to destroy and conquer our difficulties. Sometimes in this world what needs to happen is the voice of the Lord does need to flip over a few mountains and things get done. Um, The second place, though, and probably the better place, is to go where Elijah went. And this is where Jesus lived his whole life, I think. We want to seek and hear the quiet whisper of the voice of the Lord. Because that's the strength that comes up, not out from outside us, but from within us, and can calm the storm in us and around us. That's his peace. God is strong, but he gives his strength to people for them to use. And we might have to go out into the desert to hear his voice and to receive that strength. But that we might find him there. So, but he's always speaking to us wherever we are. So let's listen and hear what he has to say. Let me pray and then we're going to sing a bit more about that. We thank you, Lord, for this vision today of the power and glory that you have as the Lord of all creation. But we pray that beyond that and deeper than that, we would understand the Lord in his humble and sacrificial love. And we pray that we would seek this place of peace and gentle and kind uh, experience of your love each day so that we can be strong and have your peace in all circumstances in our life. So we pray all this in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.